Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, a stranded Defender, Carmel Edition Range Rover, Land Rover's not selling a lot of Discovery 5s, and then a tip-top tech tip on adding power brakes to your series Land Rover. And now, without further delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the U-joint to Stephen's viscous coupling. I'm the rumbling drivetrain of podcasting, Ike I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, this week in Land Rover news, a brand new Defender, I guess a Defender 130, Mm. was out for a journey in the English countryside. A three-hour tour. You know, yeah, just a, you know, just a little, a little boot around in the new highly capable Land Rover Defender 130 and apparently started its way down a footpath mm-hmm. and got stranded by it looks like they like tried to drive over a, like a small retaining wall or something like and got wall the, or something? yeah something like that and got this onto uh, the beach right it was yeah they were <laughs> trying to i guess get a little beachfront camping and it uh, yeah got high centered uh, pretty bad pretty bad yeah, this is this is very frustrating you know, I think that these sorts of people are giving other Land Rover owners a bad name, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. There's there's a time and a place for everything. And I think a footpath is probably not the time or place to be driving. No, it's true. I, you know, have, you know, having driven on a number of footpaths by accident over the years. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. But apparently this particular footpath, this happens relatively frequently people trying to drive down on the beach and getting stuck on this little concrete thing do you think making it a little bit higher so that cars will stop trying to drive over it but it it hasn't stopped anything you know i feel like signage definitely has to cater to the lowest common denominator and i think we're all familiar with like various warning tags and you read them and you're like who would do that you know like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, there's some famous examples, the Batman costume that has the warning label, you know, this costume does not enable the wearer to fly, <laughs> you know, which is, is, is stupid on so many levels, right? right? Because right. It, first off, you know, why would a costume allow you to fly? Right. But yeah. second off, Batman doesn't even fly. He doesn't really fly. No, he no, doesn't. He no, doesn't fly. exactly. Yeah. So does it say anything about doesn't allow you to vigilante fight crime? Does I, that, I, I guess know. you can. I mean, there's uh-huh. no warning. 
So, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. Those it's there. There needs to be a sign for people like this. <laughs> be a sign for people you know? like this. Yeah. You and, ask why those labels are there or why the signs are there. It's because somebody tried it. You know? Yeah, yeah. It it just gives us all a bad name, and it gives a lot of ammunition to people who want to outlaw SUVs, or mm-hmm. and and rightfully so with. Fucking yes. idiots like this guy, you know, like yeah, why wouldn't you? The beach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, there you go. It is that Land Rover high centered on a piece of concrete lifestyle that they're chasing. Yeah, that's modern luxury. <laughs> modern luxury right there. Speaking of mm-hmm. modern luxury, maybe, yes. maybe the height of modern luxury, Oof. the Carmel edition Range Rover is back for a wow. second year. Not to be confused with the Carmel Range Rover, that is a specialty chocolatier's tiny Range Rover made complete of Scottish toffee. It's delicious. Just really went on a limb out there on that joke, didn't you? Yeah. 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 Is it it paying off for you? I think it worked. I have some returns on that one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, the Carmel edition. Now, this is, I guess, named after the exclusive area in California. In California, here in here in the well sort of a little bit central i guess california but yeah so, it is and this is this is again this is the second year so they do the pebble beach concourse d'elegance every year yeah. range rover has a range rover house there which they invite people to come and yes. you know be fancy together you know as a group and yeah we were we were exclusively asked not to come we were excluded like, please, please don't come Yes, yeah. we got an uninvitation, which is interesting. It was very, very nice letterpressed. Oh, no, beautiful. Yeah, disinvitation. Beautiful. Yeah, disinvitation. Yes, please yeah. don't come. But it is a, you know, it's a, it's a Range Rover that they sell at the at the Carmel Range Rover house to, I guess, people who are interested in this extremely limited. This is a... How many, how many people would they sell this to? Very limited edition. They are making seven... Seven, seven of these cars. Seven. seven of these cars. Yeah. That's that's is that even an addition? I don't know. Yeah. Is it an addition or is it just a specially I mean it says addition all over the place, let me tell you. It says addition. I feel like the there's more copies of the Declaration of Independence than that. <laughs> it's true. That's how exclusive this car is. Yeah. You know? It's more Nicholas Cage needs to steal it to find a map written underneath it so that he can save the world from injustice or something. I don't know. I feel like we need to make a diagram or a graph or something comparing all of the special edition Range Rovers. Like if I was in the market for a special edition Range Rover, where does this one stack up to the astronaut edition? Yes, exactly. Right. How much more exclusive is it than the astronaut edition? Yeah, that's good to know. I mean, I think if you're, you know, if you're somebody who is in the market for an ultimate, you know, an ultimate edition Range Rover, you want the most exclusive edition yes. Range Rover. I think, yeah. Well, that's why we're happy to announce the underpowered hour edition Range Rover. It will be $500,000 mm-hmm. and it will be autographed by Ike and I. We'll do some tiny Ike embroidery in the seats. It'll, oh, it's like going it. to be, it's going to be nice. And, uh, you know, it has to be prepaid and then prepaid. it will be delivered in, you know, six to nine months. You, we're you know? taking deposit right now. Yeah. We're taking the whole the whole car uh, versus the deposit because we can't we can't afford to buy one without it but you know it's it's sort of like the cyber truck you know well it'll get here eventually but did you yeah, this did you reserve your cyber truck i did i have a cyber truck re- reservation i, I do have one when reserve, do you expect that to arrive you know i just don't know i just don't maybe never i probably never i don't know i don't know if i would buy it either I, it depends on what their like resale thing is i guess if they if they would let me buy it and then sell it for you know 50 grand more than i bought it for maybe i would do that Maybe. I don't know. Buy a shitty old Range Rover with the difference. Why not? You're going to spend 50 grand on a shitty old Range Rover? Oh, yeah. Have I got a deal for you? (laughs) It's going to be great, though. 
It's going to get well. Speaking of, you know, this Carmel Edition Range Rover, three hundred and seventy-one thousand four hundred and seventy-five dollars. You know, it's what interesting. Do you, what do you get for that? Why not just make it three hundred and seventy thousand dollars? Is the extra fourteen seventy-five really? Are they are they living and dying on that margin? Just does seems, it have the Does it have the stirrups on the tailgate seats? You know, it, it's not clear from the photos that there are any stirrups, but it. it does have a a place in the rear of the car mm-hmm. for a champagne bottle to stay chilled between the two rear seats, which I think is pretty is pretty important. Critical. If you're, you know, it's critical if you're going to be uh, in the Range Rover. Come um, with champagne. Yeah, unlike, well, I'm sure, you, I, you know, I don't know. They don't, I mean, it has a picture of a champagne bottle in the, in the thing. I assume maybe it comes is, with it. Is open know? container something that, that exists in California? I don't believe you can actually enjoy that on the drive in mm-hmm. California. I don't so they have an addition, so you're telling me that they have a special edition Range Rover with a champagne bottle chiller. Yes. For when in, you're in between the rear seats and the state in which it is named after and yeah. and marketed towards, yeah. yeah, you cannot use that feature. I I believe that's true. I believe okay. that technically yes. Okay, technically somebody yes. thought that out. Yeah, technically yes. Somebody but, thought uh, that out. I wonder because the manufacturer has done it. You know, if if it gives you some kind of cover on that. You know, if the, oh yeah, the yeah. policeman pulls you over and you're like, this yeah. this has a factory. This is champagne chiller. I I'm forced to use it. It's a factory champagne toilet. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. This is... They're going to be looking. The CHP is going to be on those seven people. They're going to be like, oh, fuck, it's one of those. We got to go. pull him over. He's pulling out of the dealership. Get him. Yeah. Get him. <laughs> I'm enjoying that champagne in the back. Get him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure you cannot yeah. drink alcohol inside of a vehicle in California. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think you can have an open container of alcohol yeah. inside of So you could, you car. could chill it. You could in chill. between the seats, yes, and then you we could get where you're going, and then you yes. could you if could you were parked, enjoy it somewhere else. I think that's okay. I think as long as you're parked and but you uh, have to drink the whole bottle because you have to drink the open. entire bottle. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't put you just can't put it back. Can't maybe back. you can recork it. I guess maybe. I think that's a gray area. You'd have to consult a lawyer if mm. you were going to do that. Maybe before you go. But yeah, well, for those seven people that have this car, that is that's a potential. Are there potential exceptions issue. for limousines? Do you know that? There may be. There may be because I, you know, I certainly, obviously people are drinking a limousine. So there has to be. Maybe there's a carve out for a, a hired car is usually what that falls under. So is, is, is this considered a limousine? I don't think it is unless it's We're gonna get driven to the of by a limousine questions. country. We're going to have to do some research. We're going to put our uh, team of uh, dedicated researchers on this. On this, figure it out. We'll get the uh, we'll get the definitive word for those listeners who are planning on buying the Carmel Edition, and this is that one question that they need answered mm-hmm. before before they put uh, you know down the three hundred seventy. Are there other features 000. that we should be aware of besides? There's the some embroidery, tool? lots of embroidery. Everything is embroidered now. I, I, I believe the previous edition came with a set of golf clubs. Am I wrong about that? Came. I, came, I seem to remember clubs. that. I think it came with a set of golf clubs. Maybe That's a highly personalized thing. So you go to the dealership and have that measured out or what? I, I think it was a collaboration with one of the big golf club companies and mm-hmm. they were custom measured. And uh, I believe your initials got uh, sewn into the golf bag that was the same as the upholstery of the Range Rover. Like it matched the upholstery, mm-hmm. which is nice. It's a nice feature. In case you lose the seats in your Range Rover, yes, you would know which ones were yours. That's right. If they were all mixed up. 
That's right. Exactly. You yeah, if somebody had taken out all the seats, are mine. if you were at Glastonbury and somebody had removed all the seats from your Range Rover, you would be able to pick them out Just, in, a, in a line. It's actually, that's actually a problem in, yeah. in Scotland. Could happen. Yeah, it could, could have happen. happened. Could just, just take the whole thing. So. so I understand that to this limited edition Carmel Range Rover, they're making seven units. Now, that's exactly right, yeah. almost as many vehicles as they sold discoveries in the last quarter, right? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, our precious JLR is not selling the discovery at a mm. rate that really makes any sense. Uh, mm. I don't know why. I have, I have is, an idea yeah, yeah, as to yeah, why. Yeah. It's like yeah. a Ford Explorer. Well, you know, we had, we kind of talked about this and have talked about this for the last couple of years, which is basically the Defender is taking, cannibalizing, if you will, yeah. the Discovery sales. You know, like if the Defender is more capable yeah, and it's every bit as comfortable as yes. the Discovery, yeah. why would you buy a Discovery? The Some only- would argue is it is also better looking than oh, the Discovery. Oh, I, I think it's more Land Rover looking than the Discovery for sure. I sure. do think there's maybe a sub market, I think it's probably pretty small, that feels like the Defender is too utility looking and the Range Rover the is too one. expensive. You know, I think that's probably where you find a Discovery buyer. You I need think a- that's traditionally where the Discovery buyer has been. Right. But yeah. because the Defender has been yeah. softened quite yeah. a bit, yeah. I feel like that is less mm-hmm. maybe than it used to be. Mm-hmm. So I still feel like they're taking, like the decline in sales is largely due to the introduction of the Defender. Is that fair to say? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think it's it's entirely, anyone who is going to buy a Discovery or most people who are going to buy a Discovery, I think are now buying Defender. And, you know, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong because I'm I'm antiquated, but that if the design language of the Discovery 4 mm-hmm. carried forward more into the Discovery 5, meaning yeah. the Discovery 5 looked much more like it fit into the lineup from Discovery 1 to Discovery 4. I think maybe it would be selling to a different market. But with the 130 now, it's hard, right? Because the nice thing about the Discovery was it was a more family-oriented, but basically still a Defender, right? I mean, it was a it was a 110, more or less, a little softened, but you could have like nice seats in it and you could fit a bunch more cargo and it wasn't a big empty aluminum container. But now Defender, like you said, is everything you'd want. And Range Rover, if you want the, you know, way more luxury, way more whatever, you, you get a Range Rover and there's, they start it, you know, cheaper than a Discovery in some of the evokes and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. It was for a little while the family camping car, you know, yep. the Discovery. People were buying it. We had one kind of for that reason. And I think, you know, now those people, yeah, they're just buying one tenth. Well, also, I think traditionally the United States has been a big market for Discovery, yeah. and we hadn't had a Defender for many years, yeah. you know, since yeah. the 90s. Yeah. And so now we have a Defender, and why would we? I don't know. It's interesting. And I don't know that that's just North America or that that's worldwide. Like, sure. is anybody buying Discovery anywhere? That was quoted as the total sales for the last recorded quarter it was 4,354 units. Which is uh, pretty low. Holy moly, that's not a lot of cars. That's not a lot of cars. And is that Discovery and Discovery Sport together? I believe the Discovery Group, but I could be mistaken on that. We'll we'll get our crack team of researchers. Yeah, again, we could have easily Googled any of this, but uh, that's not our style. I think they should have instead of gone to Discovery Sport, they should have just stuck with Freelander. I think you know it's a it's a storied brand, and I think that would really boost the really boost the segment. 
Do you have like an interest in the Freelander trademark or are you just trying to boost the value of your own Freelander? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think more awareness of Freelanders makes mine worth more. I, we're not, no one's going to be surprised when something happens to you. And then there's just like a warehouse full of Freelanders that (laughs) nobody knew about. No one knew about. (laughs) Yeah. You just collected these. I don't know. It was Uh, compulsive. It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. Some people, you know, have a fridge full of like, you know, human fingers or something. And they're like, we didn't know. He was so quiet. And just and, like, and this is worse. Yeah, this, this is worse. This is worse than that. This is much worse than that. Yeah, this whole, whole warehouse full of them, just stacked. And oh man. Yeah. Well, speaking of famous automobiles and mm-hmm. famous people, our very good friend Brian Jocelyn, former editor of the Alloy and Grit. We all Land Rover magazine. Oh man, I miss it so much. It was such a great magazine, and uh, maybe know, the very, best. Very difficult to do a uh, printed magazine these days, as you know, even even Land Rover owner is gone uh, and that, you know, had a lot more financial energy behind it and even it couldn't make it. So, but thankfully, Brian is back with a whole new project. He's over at Eastwood, makers of, you know, really actually pretty fantastic hobbyist car restoration, metalworking, fabrication supplies, like that really great variety of, you know, a little English wheel you can clip into your or you can clamp into your desktop vice and play around with it and just like really neat fabrication stuff like old school you know panel beading kind of fabrication stuff and you know all kinds of new stuff lots of interesting paint systems they have they have two-stage paints that are in rattle cans and stuff like really really neat stuff like they're a neat neat company and brian's over there making a youtube content for them in fact he's going to do a whole series restoring the range rover classic that was used, one of them, that was used in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, my my first question when I heard this was, is it the Range Rover that they sunk in the river? You know, it certainly could be. Brian said it, it isn't, but it is very rusty. They very have started, he started taking it apart. There's a couple of episodes up on the channel now on Eastwood's YouTube channel. We'll put that in the show notes. Head over there and check that out. And... Yeah, so he's he started the process and oh boy, it is you know, it's rusted in all the all the right places, all the places the Range Rover Classic rusts to nothing along the back, you know, between the body and the tailgate there for some reason. They just would just trap water, you know, in so the this, this Range Rover when it's completed is gonna be like eighty to ninety percent rust encapsulator. Yes, this is just, they're just gonna they're just gonna yeah, they're just gonna they're gonna well, I guess they're gonna use some metal fabrication techniques to to replace it they're going to get replacement panels there i mean i think the goal is the to thing. make this thing uh, brand new using all the eastwood stuff which i really I, you know i appreciate that has, i think it's has really danny neat. devito ridden in this vehicle i don't oh maybe possibly i mean maybe they can get them in there you know yeah. once it's done could be a huge tie-in could be a thing you know, you know? there's nothing that panel fabricators like more than danny devito everybody knows that you know why not he's already got a weld squint going all the time you know, well, just squint, <laughs> just like, you know, squint for safety. They're going to, you know, use all of the Eastwood stuff, I guess, and restore the car, which I, you know, I, I, that's way better than just sort of product demos. Product demos are so hard to relate. What, oh, I don't know. I'm never going to do a project like that or whatever. But if you're, you know, looking at someone restoring an old Range Rover, that's much more, I think, appropriate for the home hobbyist that's looking to get into uh, bodywork, which is my least favorite part of car restoration. So the bodywork yeah. is? Yeah, it's evidenced by your perfect yes. Land Rover 80-inch tub that you have had for a very long time that very hasn't gone on your It's in a great 80-inch. 
Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Still yeah. in the crate, right? It is in the crate. Yeah, it's in the mm. crate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. It's great, though. It's a great uh, CKD uh, product uh, there and uh, all boxed up, looking beautiful. We're going to have those guys on the show someday. I, I should probably put that on my car. Maybe before they, they, I like how they, they keep suggesting times on which they could come on the show. And then they're yeah. like, oh, actually, I can't. No. I, I'll tell you, the, the world of pre-1500 parts manufacturing and shipping, that's, you know, you never know. It's a moment-to-moment business. You never know when you're going to be busy. available. Yeah, you never know when you're going to be available. I wonder if they have sold all 1500 cars worth of parts already. Like oh, at I'm some sure. point they're going to obsolete themselves. It, it's going to be like the the like GTO judges and stuff like that. There's mm-hmm. going to be more pre pre fifteen hundred Land Rovers <laughs> on the road today yes. than there were sold new. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of new old today, we have a tip top tech tip, which is um, everybody's favorite segment in our series of resto mod things. We're going to talk about resto mod brakes. We're going to split it into two pieces though. Today we're going to talk about resto mod power brakes. And then in an upcoming episode, we'll talk about a disc brake conversion. But today, sure. Restomod power brake. So what what do you like about the braking system in a Land Rover, just as it is from the factory a series braking system? What what do you how, do you how do you like that? You know, I would say that the brakes on a Land Rover, when they are in good condition and well set up, are adequate for mm-hmm. the purpose. You know, they, they do work pretty well. So I, I like that they are simple and I like that there are still parts available for the brakes. Now, the things I don't like are that the quality of reproduction components is mm-hmm. is declining. You know, like it's getting less and less, less and less good. It's yeah. it's harder and harder to, to achieve that like new braking capability with the parts that are available today. And so there's always a changing landscape of aftermarket producers and their designs fluctuate. And, and some of the things that they change and make different don't necessarily translate into better brakes. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to get shoes that are concentric with the drums. It's mm-hmm. hard to get rear 109 shoes that have the brake pads in the appropriate place. Sometimes mm-hmm. the steady posts for the adjusters are in the wrong place. So what this means is, you know, we try to approach the brakes like a pre-war car or like a, yeah. a car that you were maintaining in the period. So that what that means is we're relining the original brake shoes because we know that they're concentric to the drums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trying to use good quality or original drums. But, you know, even when you have everything set up properly and working well, it can take uh, a lot of pedal effort to to get the trucks to slow down. Or I won't say a lot, but maybe more than you're used to in your modern car, right? Yeah. So, yep. so modern cars have a, a ton of different, you know, tricks to make the pedal effort seem very light. You don't have to really stand on the brakes to get the car to slow down. And originally it was all kind of done with mechanical advantage. So you have the mechanical advantage of the pedal itself, the Mm -hmm. ratio of the pedal above the pivot and below the pivot Mm -hmm. gives you more or less mechanical advantage. And then the mechanical advantage that's produced by the ratio of the master cylinder to the slave cylinders or the wheel cylinders, sometimes they're called. So in, in those cases, you know, you can, you can change those things, you know, reducing the diameter of the master cylinder increases the line pressure, but it reduces mm-hmm. the swept volume. Yeah. So if you start messing with that, the brakes can feel weird in and of themselves unless you match those components together, yeah. which is hard to get all those components to match. And, you know, what application are they from and what am I doing? So more often than not, that stuff is all left alone. So mm-hmm. the original 
dimensions of the master cylinders and wheel cylinders all kind of left to the factory specifications. You don't see too many people, you know, cutting and welding on longer pedals and, you know, there's not enough room for it in the cab. And, you know, you could do those sorts of things, but they don't necessarily make a lot of sense. But what does make sense is adding a servo or a booster in Mm -hmm. your braking system. And so the other thing that a lot of these early Land Rovers has is a single circuit braking system. And what that means is you have a single outlet pipe on the master cylinder and that feeds all the wheels, right? And that's fine, but uh, it doesn't have any redundancy. So if there's a leak in that system... Then mm-hmm. you lose power or pressure to all of the wheels. And, and uh, let's the, say you'd purchased an LS swapped series two, you may not have a handbrake. You and know, so that's interesting. We we should revisit that auction. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily right now, but no. I yeah. don't know how that Landover did at, at no. the sale. No. You know. Now, but, so if you were to if one of those brake pipes were to fail on a single line system, yes. that's it. You're out of you're you, have no, the you have the emergency brake only, so you you don't have any redundancy in the foot brakes. So later, you know, into the late series two A's, mm-hmm. they introduced a dual circuit master cylinder, and that has two outlet pipes: one that feeds the front circuit and one that feeds the rear circuit. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have a failure in either one of those circuits, you still have some braking on the other circuit. So yep. that's nice. And then. The uh, servo adds a mechanical advantage to mm-hmm. the brake system and gives you a higher line pressure. And that higher line pressure uh, produces greater friction at the drum, right? Yeah. Yep. So with, with less effort at the pedal. Exactly right. So that runs on a vacuum mm-hmm. and it produces an additional assist in the master cylinder. So all of this stuff takes up space. And it takes a special pedal. Mm -hmm. And so you have to get a power brake tower, which we make and sell. Mm -hmm. We've reproduced that from the original. It's very, very good quality and looks Mm -hmm. very stock. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing you need. That's one component. The other component is the servo itself Mm -hmm. and then the master cylinder. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of these earlier cars, this is like usually about 58 to 68. So 10 year span and some of the most popular collector Land Rovers that are available because they're mm-hmm. easy to maintain and yep. they look pretty classic with the metal pretty dash Land trucks. Rovery. Yeah. Yep. Land Rovery, if you yep. will. So those trucks usually have the single circuit on the both 88 and 109 versions. So the final component is that dual circuit master cylinder. Right. And I say final component, there's a lot of hardware and sure. you know fittings and stuff, but uh, essentially you have to you have to make room for these yeah. other components. The yeah, master the cylinder side or the, I'm sorry, the driver's side wing. Yes. Gets in the way, yeah? The driver's side wing does get in the way. So these components, you know, in an original configuration, the master cylinder would point towards the driver. Mm -hmm. In a power brake application, the servo and master cylinder point away from the driver. And so that interferes with the inner fender. So the inner fender has to be modified to the same shape as the later fenders. And uh, the way we do this is we have a template, and Mm -hmm. then that template has aluminum plates that are pretty thick that clamp onto the fender and Mm -hmm. it gives you a cut line and a bend line. So the bend is important so that you can have original style rigidity to the fender. If you just cut Mm -hmm. it, it makes it kind of floppy and Mm -hmm. move around. And then you have to add the later mud shield and then Mm -hmm. open up the pedal aperture. So that's the hole through which the pedal passes as it goes through the firewall. Mm -hmm. There's a few other, you know, small details, but 
essentially that's the that's the method by which you you create the room and externally it looks completely original yeah so no it looks great it, it does it know. does so uh this is going to give you a lot less pedal effort and a little bit more safety margin when you're you know using your land rover which is nice and it, it and is it, nice externally it looks totally stock and even when you lift the hood it just looks like the later model land rover yep. in the brake area was it ever an option from land rover to do that to the earlier cars did they sell a a brake assist system i know some of the early you know like the my six cylinder has it for instance and some of that sort of stuff but like did it did they have a you know, a, an actual factory part you could order to do that to an earlier Land Rover? Yeah, so that that is true. You could order an option, and some aftermarket companies made standalone brake boosters yeah. for Land Rover brakes. And so those are usually remote boosters, mm -hmm. and so they have a line in and a line out, yep. and uh, it's kind of like a secondary master cylinder, if you will, hydraulically operated. Yep. And those don't I'll give you the redundancy of a dual circuit master. And the other issue with them is maintenance spares for those yeah, remote boosters are, are not as easy to get. And they don't really work that well. I mean, compared to a, a modern style booster system or the sure. original remote system, like the one in the, in, in Ted, the one in the, in the Nada six cylinders. It just doesn't work that well. I mean, yeah, sure, it's better. It's a much heavier car, and it stops about as good as the lighter car does, but still not. I mean, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't reduce the pedal, you know, energy that much. You still have to press pretty hard. Sure. It also gives a bit of a weird lag, not lag, but just like you really feel that you're not connected to the braking system in the way that a servo, you know, a vacuum servo assisted one you don't really feel that, you know, it still yeah, feels, you still feel the pedal nicely. Yeah. In the, in the later trucks, the, uh, you know, you don't have quite as much distance between your foot and the braking system as you do yeah. in some of those remote systems. Yeah. But uh, yeah, essentially the way that this works is, you know, the, there's a junction on the top of the frame rail, mm -hmm. uh, that supplies the four wheels in the original system. And so you've got one line mm -hmm. out from the master cylinder originally into a five-way junction. Mm-hmm. And in the new configuration, the easiest way to do it is to use that five-way junction to supply the front brakes. So you have the line out from the dual circuit master cylinder for the front brakes into that five-way junction. Mm -hmm. And so you have uh, a left line out, a mm -hmm. right line out, a brake pressure switch, right? And then yep. your line in, and yep. then you plug off one of the ports. So mm -hmm. those are your five uh, lines at that five-way junction. Mm -hmm. And then you just run a separate line from the line out for the rear brakes to the rear brakes on the vehicle. Right, to the rear So yeah. you only really have, you know, one change, which is the line out to the rear brakes and then plugging that port. So I guess two yeah, brakes to, or yeah. two small changes to the hydraulic system. Yeah. So the plumbing is pretty easy Yeah, on that conversion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not too intimidating. So, yeah, I, I recommend that. And the nice thing about this is, you know, this is the first step to a disc brake conversion, too. So That's if right, you're yeah. like, yeah, I don't want to spend a ton, a ton, a ton of money on a disc brake swap yet, but I ultimately want, you know, much better brakes. This is a good place to start because you'll need to do it with a disc brake swap anyway. So it's not money wasted. It'll prove improve drastically your your current brakes. And it's one step closer to having disc brakes on your car too. Yeah, I you know, I like the 
you know, I like the pedal feel of the assisted brakes in like a series three, but I, I, again, yeah, I don't dislike, you know, the brakes in a, in a well-maintained non-servo assisted car, but certainly, you know, as you get older and you get, you know, sort of, it's a little, little harder to, you know, to put the kind of pedal pressure you need on an older car, especially like a, you know, a 109 or something at, you know, a little bit heavier car. It does, it does make sense. And it's pretty, it's pretty easy to do. What would you say for the average sort of individual, what kind of a job, what, what level of number of wrenches is this? Number uh, of wrenches. Is this one? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of instructional videos and stuff, they, they rate the difficulty of a project by the number of wrenches, right? And usually it's what, yeah. out of five? Five wrenches yeah, is like maximum that, right? difficulty? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say this is a three and a half wrench job. Yeah, you three know? and a half wrenches. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not too bad, but it, it does yeah. require some ability and some knowledge of, of how to set up the, the braking system and how to flare tubing and, yeah. you know, do some neat and tidy metal work yep. to make it really nice. You know, you see, like, this is not an uncommon conversion. Lots of people do this, but yeah. it, it is unusual to see uh, it really cleanly and nicely done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the key to that is, is really, the, the fender work, yeah. you know? Yep. I've seen so many sawzalled out fenders that, you know, somebody just cuts a big, you know, half moon or something out of it. Or And if you, know, you have you know. the, if you have a good template, it does not take very long to do that work. No, and it and looks great too. Like, I mean, does. any of the fenders, I've seen many of them that you've modified and that looks totally, st- you wouldn't, I mean, if you didn't know that mm-hmm. that was an early two and that there would be no way that it would have a brake booster on it. You wouldn't, in a nicely restored car, you'd have no idea. I mean, it just looks it's like subtle. it's supposed to be there. Yeah. yeah. So It's yeah. all factory parts. You know, the mud yeah. shield is factory and the, the shape of the fender is factory and the, the ta- brake tower, booster, and, and master cylinder are all factory parts. So it does look like a, a professionally engineered, mm-hmm. you know, brake solution. So I, I think yep. it's worth doing. I really do. I recommend it pretty well, regularly to people. Yeah. Well, speaking of recommending it, it's come to the highly anticipated drawing of Whoa. the Barbara Toy books for our Patreon followers. I, I totally forgot about this, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. this oh, man, uh, it's, these it's big. people, Yeah, these people support the show, and uh, we really appreciate their efforts. And uh, to show a little thanks, uh, we'd like to do some more of these giveaways, and this is a good one. You know, the Barbara Toy is a, uh, a luminary, as Mr. Steele would say. That's right. In the <laughs> Land Rover community and land over history so this is a cool book to give away so how are we gonna how are we gonna do this so we've entered everyone uh, of our patrons uh, names into a highly sophisticated auditable and nationally recognized random name picker website that was the first thing i clicked is this on a on fishbowl with a bunch of slips of paper in it this is exactly right yes it's a virtual fishbowl and those folks that are in the highest tier of our patron have uh, their name in twice. What? So, but you can't win twice. Uh-oh. So yeah, that it just gives you twice the number of chances to win once. That's that's pretty cool, right? That's pretty it's cool. A, you know that there you go. It is the benefits of patronage, if you will. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready for the button pressing? I am ready. Is there a drum roll? There is now. Here we go. Oh, Who do we first got? one is going to go to Tyler. What? First that's amazing. I know, isn't it? That's that's really cool. Yeah, we're gonna send him a book. He's and, gonna love. It. Uh, are we ready for number two? I'm I'm ready for. Do we get another drum roll? Do we need another, another drum roll? Let's do it. Yeah, I think that's what people expect. Yeah, and here we go, Andrew. So this one goes to Andrew. Yeah, there you go. He won. He won. 
So we're going to send those Barbara Toy books off to those patrons. Thank you for your patronage. You make the show possible. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Without you, there would be no Underpowered Hour. It would just be Ike and I on a Zoom. Shouting into the void. Shouting into the void. Now, Ike, I don't know if you know, but we were able to secure one additional Barbara Toy book. What? I didn't hear about this. additional. Why wasn't I notified immediately? It was recently located and is now in our possession. And we are going to give... Was it in the packing material? You just didn't notice it? Yeah, it was in between things of the packing material. This one, though, is going to be dedicated to a giveaway on our Facebook group. Okay. So if you're not yet a member of the Underpowered Hour Facebook group, like so many others are, our good friend Steve uh, Owen, he's in there. Yeah. You know, Dixon Kenner, he's in there. We've got Jeff Aronson, he's in there. All your favorite Land Rover people, they're in there. They're in there. You ask yourself, why aren't I? There's no reason. It's it's not a high bar to to cross that threshold. Re- really isn't. There's no. zero effort needs to be expended. So And you could you, win a barbatoy. I mean, this is it's huge. It's huge. You don't have to pay for the free shipping to get it here. So we are going to make a post on the uh, Facebook page uh, starting today. That will be open until the following week's uh, show. Again, we're asking you to uh, reply to that post with a picture of you and your Land Rover. And Linus will be evaluating those through, I believe, a a 97-point criteria that he has come up with to evaluate the quality of those photos. We don't know what any of that criteria it is. It seems involved. Yeah. It's a big, uh, you know, it's a big job. He's created a cinder block room in his garage specifically to go in there and just figure this out. That's not why he created that room. No one else is allowed in. So it's a fortress of solitude, if you will. All right. Well, with that, I look forward to those books being in the mail for those patrons. Thank you for listening again. Thank you for your patronage. And as always, please feel free to head over to the old YouTube and check out some fantastic underpowered hour youtube content you can get the show there of course but also all kinds of different stuff some shenanigans some tip top tarp tip videos some tool tip videos it's all there for you yeah you can also purchase a personalized greeting on your voicemail system courtesy of steven that's right on our web store that's right from the freelander from inside the freelander from inside the freelander. i will uh, yeah i will tell people that you are busy we're restoring your freelander and then they'll get back to you just as soon as they can. So enjoy that. And with that, Ike, unfortunately, we have run out of time this week for Ike's review of Nando's, but we are going to get that on the schedule just as soon as we can. We appreciate uh, everyone's tagging us in your Nando's photos on Instagram. Uh, eventually, we're going to get those guys to sponsor the show, and then Ike and I can finally rest. So this whole project will have come to fruition in uh, getting some money out of Nando's. So with that, Ike, it's been a slice. We'll see you next week. All right. It's been a pleasure. Take care. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.